Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday Night Sports tonight. I'd like to introduce our, our, our legend, Mr. Don Henderson, uh, Philadelphia Radio host or legend, a legend, Mr. Roger Hendler up in Hotlanta. It's cold, Lanta. Thank God he's not in 
Dallas, and down here in, in sunny, sunny Florida, Mr. Roy Cummings and Mr. Frank Carroll spending the dollars. We're going to make a dedication to the show to the late Vincent Jackson and also Buddy Ryan's 87th birthday. Gentlemen, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great, Tommy. Well, everything's okay here. I feel sorry for the people up north because it's cold and <laughs> snowy and wet and everything else. So we're in pretty good shape down here in Florida. Yes, we are, Don. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah we can't complain here, guys. Uh, we're we're in great shape compared to most of the rest of the country. My brother lives in Memphis, uh, Germantown, just outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. They've got six inches of snow on the ground there. They're just they're they're they can't move. It's uh, it's absolutely incredible. Oh, Roy, I'll tell you, I lived in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, seventy-two to seventy-four. And we got 16 inches of snow. And I oh. want to tell you, it shut down the state. And just like I can sympathize with your brother because Tennessee is not, is not prepared for it. And, uh, yep. you know, I lived in New Hampshire. I lived in Philadelphia. I lived in Atlanta. And the uh, at that time in uh, Columbia, the only time I ever got stuck in snow was in front of my house. In Columbia, South <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, we're finding out that most of the country is not prepared for this. I mean, it uh, it just shuts down cities that don't expect it. And uh, boy, oh boy, I guess we maybe we've reached the point where you you got to expect anything these days. Especially one of the problems in Texas is that they drop the temperature. They don't have any equipment in Texas to get that snow out of there. They got to bring you know all kinds of people and equipment in. Because they're not accustomed to having this kind of snow in Texas, and boy, they were just inundated last week. Well, they also yeah, had was, a temperature drop. Yeah, talk to, about uh, your friend with ice, with ice, uh, with the with the wind chill factor. It was twenty below. Uh, we have a, a wow. guy who uh, wow. is on this Saturday night show with us that had to uh, get his son's four wheel drive truck to take. Uh, he and his wife and uh, the little baby over to his mother-in-law's 40 miles away where they ha- still had electricity. They don't have electricity. Some of the turbines down there are frozen, and uh, so there's no electricity. Uh, his his uh, truck is uh, uh, in his front yard, in his uh, driveway, but with all the ice and everything, it's like being in the, in the uh, North Shore over on uh, Chicago. It's just frozen oh, in there. Man, man. Well, I was going to say, how did you even get the truck started at 20 below zero? I would think, yeah, I'd yeah. think it'd be pretty hard to start any kind of equipment at all yeah, at 20 big. below. Yeah. Well, you know, the last time in Dallas was uh, when they had the Super Bowl. You know, we had, uh, I was there, we had all the ice, part of that canopy at AT&T Stadium, uh, you know, uh, collapsed outside and i can remember being going out to tcu on the media bus coming off the interstate and the bus slid down the off-ramp i want to tell you there were a number of us on that bus that were a little concerned where we were going to wind up well that's what i say roger they just don't have the they don't have the de-icers that you know we have uh, in the northeast where the snow begins and they're already out on the highways you know, spreading the de-icer down before the plows are ready to even get in. Well, they don't have any of that in Texas that I know of. No, they're not prepared, you know. Same thing in Tennessee, Roy, you know, with your brother. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, they're not prepared at all uh, for, for that kind of weather. And, uh, you know, I, I guess you can understand it. I mean, it's, it's uh, such a rare occurrence. Um, you know, hey, I'm not sure we're not prepared here in Florida if it suddenly hit us. So uh, it's it's different. But you know what? I mean, I, I, I seem to remember that my, I think they get snow every Every you know, I mean, not not every year in Memphis, but uh, my brother tells me uh, you know they get enough, uh, you know, that you would think they would be prepared. And, and let's face it, it, this is not anything new for Dallas. I mean, it seems like, nope. you know, we've had a couple of times here over the last few years where they've had uh, these these icy, rainy, uh, very cold and snowy uh, stretches uh, just for a day or two. But uh, if it's enough to shut down a city, uh, boy, I think you you kind of got to put the money in and. Uh, put the infrastructure together, make sure that you can handle it. Um, just seems like that's a, a no-brainer now. My son said in North Carolina, all they got to do is see a, a snow party, and they close all the schools and shut down the school buses. <laughs> and they don't even wait. All they got to do is see a couple of flakes come down, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we're in Thursday's game between Tampa Bay and Dallas has been postponed because of it, the, the city's shut down right now, so what's that going to do for the Lightning? The Lightning's got to go up there Saturday to play a game or see when the city of Dallas is open and postpone those games to the end of the year, I think. That's that's what I've been told. But thank God we're down here Yeah, they'll Florida. work that out. I mean, the Lightning uh, aren't as in bad a shape as, as many other teams. I mean, uh, New Jersey Devils uh, playing their first game last night for the first time in, what, almost three weeks. Um, right. A couple other teams have been out for a while. Uh, it, Buffalo's been out for a while, so it's 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 really tough, and it's it's just one of those seasons where they're going to have to kind of, you know, play it as it comes and uh, try to figure it out as uh, as they go along. And if they've got an opening somewhere and the teams are off, much like baseball, they're going to have to try to fill in the schedule that way. And uh, like you said, maybe. Uh, delay the start of the playoffs uh, by a week or, or more maybe to, to finish off some of these games if, if they involve teams that are in the playoff race. So um, I'm sure they are putting together contingency plans and uh, at this point just hoping to get to the, as many regular season games in as they can. But, uh, look, we, we knew all along that uh, much like with baseball um, uh, that it was going to be, a you know, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a challenge to get everybody to play all the all the games that you'd hoped and uh, scheduled for them. Uh, football was able to do it. Um, they were fortunate, uh, but uh, you know it wasn't easy. But uh, the NHL, when you play every night or every other night, uh, like they do in baseball and hockey and even basketball, you're going to have some issues. So it's uh, not the easiest thing in the world to get a schedule completed. Just to add to that, Roy, uh, I don't know whether you folks had a chance to see Vegas play over the weekend. They played back-to-back games. And Flory, uh, 36, I think I'm almost sure it's 36, 36 or 37. And they were kidding. They said, well, you know, these guys that are 25, they can't play back-to-back games. Here's a guy 36 years old and was, was stunned by it. I mean, you, they just couldn't get a puck by him. It was unbelievable. Two games in a row. It was unbelievable. I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not. Yeah, I did, and uh, you're right. It's it's really incredible. Look, uh, age is just a number for a lot of uh, a lot of athletes. There's no doubt yeah. about that. And uh, it is funny how some of the younger guys can't go. It depends. Sometimes you know you you might be fighting an injury or something, and you're doing everything you can to get through a game, and you you, you can't go two nights in a row. But 
hey, uh, if you're healthy, nowadays you kind of got to do it. You got to be prepared for it. So, uh, but yeah, age is just a number for some people, and that was a perfect example of it. Yes, it was. Roger? Yeah, well, the, the uh, Flyers have had uh, problems with uh, COVID, and uh, they've had some games uh, delayed, too. And I know, what, like, Roy, you were saying about the Devils, I think, three weeks. I think the Flyers now, it's uh, a, a couple of weeks, and they're going to be playing, I believe, uh, what is it, uh, this coming weekend in uh, Lake Tahoe at the Winter Classic. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, they're going to be playing outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> You know what? Uh, the, the way this virus is going, uh, if, it's, if it's better to play outdoors, maybe they ought to play a lot more games outdoors. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can play in Dallas right now. That's for sure. <laughs> Just find an outdoor yeah. room somewhere. Or, you know, find it. <laughs> they can uh, probably figure it out. It. Yeah, at the AT&T Stadium parking lot, I'm sure they could set up and uh, Jerry could make some <laughs> yeah. money. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Phil Esposito down here in Tampa probably has a rink that they a portable rink that they can uh, they that he can sell them to make it work. So uh, right. uh, we'll see, you know. But but you're right. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia is uh, scheduled to play in the outdoor game, and uh, uh, you know I've been hearing that they might try to squeeze in another game out there. I don't know. I, I it's getting late in the week now, but um, there was some talk as late as yesterday that they might try to get one of these teams that. Uh, that is behind on the schedule a little bit. Um, and that would obviously be Philadelphia would be one of them. New Jersey might be one of the others. They might try to get New Jersey in there to play a game outdoors just because, uh, you know, they've got the rink availability and uh, I think it's supposed to play Boston right now, but I think there's some talk about possibly putting another game in there. I don't know if it's going to happen, but there was some talk about it uh, over the course of the past few days, if the teams were available to play, uh, maybe get them in there and, you know, just to, uh, again, uh, increase the spectacle of it all. But not only that, but, hey, <laughs> they're in one place. Keep them there. Uh, let them play a couple of games. See how it works out. Hey, Roy, I want to change the uh, subject just for a minute to get your uh, get your thoughts. Uh, I don't want Tommy uh, passing out, but the, uh, the latest I saw was that uh, Mr. J.J. wants to possibly go to uh, – Cleveland. Have you seen that? J.J. Watts? Uh, yeah, I did see that. It was in uh, was in yesterday's paper uh, yeah. in the evening, and it came out again today that they were the front runner. There were three teams that were really in the bidding. Green Bay, surprisingly, is one of them, but the, you're right. Mm-hmm. Cleveland is right there. That's where they think he's going to wind up going. Yeah. Yeah. There, well, here's the thing. Uh, I've talked or heard some from some people that that are very close to J.J. Watt, know what's uh, know what he's thinking and what his game plan is, and, and well, I think this story pretty much says it all. But he he clearly wants to go to a team where he can be a, on a contender. He wants to be on a contender. Right. Um, and the other thing is he's got to find a team that has cap space. The the issue is going to be, I think, for him, matching the team that he wants to go to. Uh, with the team that has the cap space to afford him. I don't know that Green Bay has the cap space. i got to be honest, I'm not sure that um, that Cleveland has it either. Um, I think they can probably make it work because uh, the quarterback is still uh, – Baker Mayfield's still on his rookie contract, so they can probably make it work. Um, but I think there's, you know, obviously a desire to get back with Jadavian Clowney perhaps. But uh, – um, mm. 
I think the other team that he's serious about or would consider is Tennessee. Uh, he knows the coach. Uh, he knows the GM. Um, I think the, that's a possibility as well. And, uh, you know, I was, hey, I put it out on Twitter as soon as I heard it. I said, hey, come to Tampa. And I, I think Tampa's going to try to be in the mix. Whether Tampa mm-hmm. can afford him or not, I think, is another issue. Um, I mean, you're right. Right now, Tampa's trying to figure out a way to re-sign some of the players that uh, are key to them. Obviously, uh, Dominican Sue is one of them. Jason Pierre-Paul is another. Uh, you don't necessarily want to, you know, upset Jason Pierre-Paul by going after J.J. Watt. But, hey, I, I, I think if you got a choice between the two, you go for J.J. Watt and pay him what he's worth. So, uh, sure. I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, um, very interesting that Cleveland is in the mix. I mean, look, I think Cleveland is one of the most intriguing teams out there. Obviously, weren't quite ready to beat um, – Kansas City this year, but uh, they were they were they were a darn good team. I think they're going to be good for a while here. The window is going to be open for them, and if, uh, if they can somehow land JJ Watt, it just makes them that mm. much better. So uh, no reason he shouldn't want to play for Cleveland at this point because they have uh, reestablished themselves. Maybe for, for the first time, and uh, <laughs> for maybe for the first time since I was a kid and didn't even know what football was, they've reestablished <laughs> themselves as uh, a legitimate uh, playoff contender. Well, it had to be fucking uh, with Brian Sight Roy, days. Roy, I'm, I'm, go ahead, Tommy. I'm sorry. Well, it's just a Roy. Like they had me back to the Brian Sight days. Cleveland siped up. And then they, the funny story about that, when the Browns and Bernie Kozar played, you know, for the Browns up there, he's working with the Florida Panthers. Went in the coaches one one day, and he said that one of the coaches, I forget who it was, says, what's that game doing on him? He said, what's the matter with that game? I was in that game. That was a fumble. <laughs> I heard a spider fumble in that game. <laughs> yeah. You got to the end. But I think it's going to be great for the city of Cleveland to get the Browns going again. It's, just, uh, it's great that Baker Mayfield, rest of the Browns organization, and uh, I think J.J. Watt would be a perfect fit for the dog pound. Well, he would. They would love him there. Yeah, they got it going all right uh, right now. They had him. They're they're gonna. That's gonna be another a booster to their uh, uh, oh, to their their hopes. Oh, I think the other thing, Roy, would be very interested in going somewhere with the. I don't know that he would be in Green Bay with his. Uh, he's been very injury prone over the last three or four years, and I don't think playing in Green Bay is something that's gonna be uh, no. you know conducive to not getting hurt. Yeah, that is that is certainly an issue that you have to think about with J.J. Watt. Uh, everybody wants, you know, everybody would want the player uh, if he's healthy. But you're right; he does tend to get hurt a lot. Um, has missed, uh, the, you know, I mean, let's face it. I think Houston's missed a few opportunities to go uh, to at least either make the playoffs or go deeper into them because he hasn't been there. Um, I mean, it's a complete mess there now. There's no doubt about that. Uh, players are just jumping ship like crazy, and it's a, it's an awful situation. But um, you know they had an opportunity, and again, if you if you put a lot of uh, uh, you know if you lean on JJ Watt too much, uh, you could get very disappointed. He could give you you know six or seven great games, but he may not be there for you when you need him. You know you can't necessarily. I mean, I think some teams will look at that and say that's a factor for us. That's a factor that you know we're not willing to pay the money. Um, we'll just go with the guy we know a little bit better and uh, a guy that. Uh, we, we, we believe can stay healthy for sure and uh, because that's a concern. Uh, it's a concern financially. It's a concern if you uh, have to, uh, you know, uh, 
lose a couple of pieces of your depth uh, in order to bring him in, and then if he's not there, uh, suddenly you don't have that uh, that player and you don't have the depth either. So it's it, that's something you have to consider in uh, contemplating signing J.J. Watt, no doubt. Roger, I think that was it Pittsburgh in the mix too. I believe that was another one of the teams that they, uh, they that they talked about. Yeah, it was Don, and and it was interesting uh, talking about this that uh, Charlie Weiss this morning on uh, a serious uh, NFL radio was talking about uh, uh, Watt, and he said that uh, he thinks he's going to have to uh, take a uh, significant uh, uh, salary cut. Okay, no matter where he goes. And and I agree with that. I mean, you know, and they, you know, uh, we've all heard the same thing. I'm sure they expect the cap to be what about 180 million, maybe 100 to 187 million. And when was the last time we heard of the cap coming down? But obviously, with the uh, the pandemic, things have changed this year. Sure. That's a good point, Roger. Uh, yeah, the cap's going to be down, and. Uh... Look, I, I think at this point in his career, J.J. Watt would gladly give up a few million dollars to uh, to be a contender and, and, and take the opportunity of, you know, have the opportunity of winning a Super Bowl. Uh, it, it's what he's uh, – it, it's the one thing he hasn't done. He's done everything else. Um, and it's clear that he wants, uh, he wants that uh, on his resume when it's all said and done, and he wants to be a part of that. And, uh, and, he, and you'd, I think we – you know – whether you like him or not, I don't know how you don't like him, but I think everybody would feel the same way. I mean, don't, I mean, I certainly would like to see J.J. Watt have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. I think he's, you know, he's, uh, he's done his part. To, he's Glad one of that. the best players in the history of the game, and uh, if he never wins that, it'll be really unfortunate for him. Uh, so he should, uh, good for him, seeking the best opportunity, and if he, it means he takes uh, a pay cut, well, again, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, if if you're making twenty eight million, I mean can can you somehow make it on twenty four million? I suppose you can. <laughs> not only that, but look what he look what he's done for the community there. I mean he's leaving yeah. not with a with a happy heart. He wants to play somewhere else that you say to win. But at the same time he's gotta maintain his residence where it is. I mean community service, he's at the top of the line. Yes he is. He really is, Don, and you know, we uh, while before I go, uh, I think we'd be a bit remiss guys and not, uh, you know, offering our condolences and our best wishes to the family of Vincent Jackson um, right. here in Tampa, who, what a, uh, an absolute tragic story. And, you know, you, Don, you mentioned about a guy giving back to the community. Few have given back in Tampa Bay the way Vincent Jackson has to the uh, military community here. He's done yes. so much for him. I was a big part of helping him promote um, his children's books for, uh, for, for, U.S. veterans and uh, or U.S. Uh-huh. servicemen and uh, deployed and uh, wrote a lot of stuff about him and him, you know, being a part of the caravans that went to visit uh, soldiers over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And the man put his life on the line a few times uh, to do that, even while playing. And uh, he never mm-hmm. let up uh, in his in his uh, time, brief time, unfortunately, uh, as a retired player. And it just it appears as though. Uh, you know, we don't have any evidence of anything just yet of uh, what mm. caused this, uh, his tragic uh, passing here. Um, but it'll, it'll be, there's start, we're starting to hear ideas that CTE may have been a part of this. Uh, alcoholism is certainly a, a big part of it. But uh, certainly 
something wasn't right with Vincent Jackson. Uh, family uh, tried to get some help, and it, it just was, couldn't get it in time, it seems. And uh, it's really just a tragic, uh, tragic loss for the entire football community, not just the community of Tampa Bay, but this is right. one of the better players, obviously, in the history of the game, uh, better, and one of the better people in the history of the game. And it's a tragic loss for, obviously, his family, but the entire Tampa Bay community and just the NFL fraternity as well. It's, um, and, if, and, guys, if CTE is the cause of this, uh, there's already been way too many deaths, and I'll say premature deaths, guys dying at, you know, before they're 40 years old because of uh, issues with CTE. If, this is, uh, if, if it's proven that this is part of it uh, or it led to this, uh, a lot more serious investigation has to be done. A lot more science has to be learned about what's right. happening here, guys. Because you can't be losing players uh, five, six, eight mm-hmm. years after they finish playing football uh, because of this. It can't happen. Can't keep. Can't keep happening. That's right. Well, I agree the other thing is, it throws a little bit of a damper at the winning the uh, the Super Bowl and everybody uh, ultimate high, and then as you said, seven days later something like this happens and. So you go from the top of the list down to the bottom, and you really got to still feel sorry for the family and, and know exactly what happened. And I know they'll do that with the investigation coming up. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk from, uh, you know, former Bucks players who were, you know, relatively close to him uh, and stayed in good contact with him, and, and nobody saw anything. The family, I, I think, kept it rather quiet, and, and you would. I mean, if, if a guy's kind of gone estranged from the family and, uh, you know, decided to take some time to kind of, you know, figure some things out. You know, you want to keep an eye on him, and, and as they did, they filed a missing persons report, and uh, the police found him uh, relatively quickly. Uh, they didn't see anything that, that showed that there was an issue here. So we may, we may still find that, uh, you know, this was something else other than, you know, what we're being led to believe at this point. But um, we'll see what the, you know, the, the autopsy and the toxicology report uh, shows. But again, if it's, if it had anything to do with CTE, it's just, uh, the, the, it's just an even greater tragedy. We, we can't be losing lives just to play this game. That's, that's what I'm afraid that's of. Right. And, um, the, the game's not that important and uh, we don't want to lose it. And I don't think we will, but mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, uh, you're going to start losing a lot of people to other sports uh, because of it. And if that's the case, <clears throat> I yeah, the, Roy, the, uh, the families asked had. that if there, anybody wanted to do anything, that they uh, send a donation to the Vincent Jackson Foundation for um, military youth and their families. So if there's anybody out there yeah. that wanted to do something. And, and that um, was, uh, you know, if, anybody, if anybody's listening and you have young children, uh, and, and I'd, I'd say this to anyone who's, you know, if you're a military family member, uh, and you have young children, uh, children of servicemen or service women, uh, or even if you're not, um, Vincent Jackson's books uh, about Danny Dog Tags was the uh, the character. It's it's primarily based on it's primarily for kids who are of uh, uh, veterans, uh, not veterans. I'm sorry, servicemen who are deployed overseas and away from the family, um, and uh, it's to help them cope with that. Uh, situation but you know what i think any kid could benefit uh from the book uh it doesn't have to just be a serviceman who's who's away any any family who's got a a mother or father who travels a lot uh, any service you know anybody any single mother any single father uh i think could benefit from these books um they're they're really well done 
Uh, Vincent had a lot of help uh, in putting them together, and uh, it was kind of his uh, – I'll tell you what, even while playing, it was a big part of his lifeblood, and uh, he was he was really proud of it, and he had every reason to be. He did a great job with it. And uh, if you're listening, uh, go find find the Vincent Jackson uh, Jackson in Action uh, 83 Foundation and uh, find the books, and uh, I think you'll find something there that, that's going to help you out. Yeah, one nice thing about Vincent Jackson was that no matter what, if he heard there was somebody there was a deployment, he was at the base. He was there to make sure that the families felt good. Uh, he made sure that the kids didn't uh, didn't suffer too much. But also, he would go down without any notice. He would just show up at the at um, the, the school on, on base and just talk to the kids. He was a, he was a, a, an army brat. And he knew what what the life yeah, was like, right. and he would he could mm-hmm. he could relate to them. Um, you know, yeah, I was listening to Rick Kreisman this morning talking about uh, so highly about him about what he did for uh, kids uh, in the St. Pete uh, St. Pete area. Um, he was just, and he never just like Mike uh, Mike Allstott, you never saw anything in the paper, but Allstott and, <clears throat> and his family uh, have since. Um, uh, forever, I, they've done it, but just lately, uh, since January, have given out over uh, 500 uh, sleeping bags to uh, homeless wow. people. Mm. That's fantastic. Yeah, Mike's that's great. Well, yeah, you're right. Vincent Jai, he was an army brat. He knew the life, and he knew how difficult it was, uh, having been there himself, for kids to uh, to have to go through that. And, uh, and like you said, he, he was so selfless. Um, yeah, he, he would show up at the base. Uh, when he if he if he knew of a family being deployed, he was there. It was it was just amazing his dedication to it. Uh, it's a great guy, and it's 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 just a tragic tragic loss, guys. Well, the thing I'll, 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 I'll try to remind you, Frank. But during the course of the next, uh, you know, we're usually on two hours, but uh, during the course of the next hour and a half, uh, we'll repeat the uh, repeat the heading again. So if people would like to contribute or be a part of it. Uh, as Roy indicated, uh, you know, every once in a while, jump in and, and uh, we'll keep it alive for the next hour and a half. Maybe uh, uh, get some contributions or some things that'll help out. That'll be great. That'd be nice. You know, I'm, That'd be I'm, great, guys. I'm reading the ESPN article, uh, and I got to tell you, you know what's sad? That this poor man, a, a great man, didn't get uh, the help from people that were around him. And until I, I, evidently it was too late, and that's sad. I mean, and it, uh, I mean, it looks like it was concussions and you know maybe alcohol, but I'll tell you that uh, it's, it's just a sad story for a, a great individual. It's really sad. Yeah. And ha- having been in a, and being an army brat and also retired from the navy, but uh, I can relate to it. I know what it was like as a kid when my father was. Uh, in Germany, and we were in the States. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It is tough. You're right. Thank, uh, thank you very much. If well, anything comes from this, day. guys, I think it would be that uh, if there can just be a little bit more uh, awareness, uh, people have to, if, if you got, I mean, if you got a football player in your family, whether it was a high school player, college player, NFL player, it doesn't matter. If you got a guy who's played a lot, um, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye. If you see something that's not right, let somebody know. Absolutely. 
Okay. Well, we thank you very much. Always, the first half hour is always exciting. This is a great opportunity to talk to you. We'll talk about a number of things, not just football, but all sports up and down the line. And uh, Frank, I didn't hear you on the intercom, so I'll let Have you introduce you. Yeah, so we got Mike Simsack. Thanks Ready for having me, guys. Take care. Thanks, Roy. Roy. Thanks, Roy. Mr. Simsack. Okay, Mike, Mike's waiting in the wings, so uh, we'll bring Mike. him right in. And Mike, you, got, you, you got a lot of news for us to start off tonight, Mike. Uh, we're getting you on early tonight. You're gonna you're gonna get the babies listening to you tonight. We need to get you <laughs> at nine o'clock. We're, we're bringing you in early. Yeah, that, 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 that's all right. I'm I'm adjustable. It must be Wednesday though because we're about to get another snowstorm. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's oh, been the story of the, the, the year. Every Wednesday. It's unreal. Well, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes up here during this time. You know, we've been lucky the last couple of winters, and there hasn't been that much snow. But I can remember since I lived here, you know, February tends to be the snowy season here in in Washington, D.C. And it's fine because, you know, right now, not much, you know, nobody's really going anywhere. So, 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 so it's good. But uh, yep, Wednesday time for another cue 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 up the snow machine. It's time for another storm. Oh boy! Well, let's stay. We were talking hockey a lot the first half hour, and uh, so let's stay with it before we get to your specialty, which is soccer. But uh, how about the Washington Club right now? Uh, sort of in the middle of a, a an up up and down time. Yeah, they um, they had a four game losing streak going. And they broke that last night. You know, you got a great uh, performance from Alexander Ovechkin. They ran out against uh, Pittsburgh 3-1. But prior to that, it had been four losses. There was a bit of a break in there uh, as because of the canceled games with uh, Philly due to COVID. Um, they've got a game that was kind of slid in at the last second against uh, the ball, uh, Buffalo tomorrow. But it was a team that had been coming off of a hot start. All of a sudden, they start going in and playing some of the stronger teams in the Eastern Conference. And some of those old demons started to rear their ugly head. You know, um, speed uh, kills them. You know, defense, uh, they weren't able to get consistent goaltending. When they did get good defensive performances, they weren't able to score. When they were able to score, they couldn't get good defense. And there were sorts of problems that plagued them uh, last year. It's hard this year because the guys didn't have this, the same sort of preseason that they had. They're adjusting to the new coach. Um, it's always a team that you, su- you suspect when it starts to get down to crunch time uh, that they'll be there or thereabouts. I think right now they're with – the Flyers in the top three, top four in the Eastern Conference. And, and that's about where I would expect them to stay. They'll be competing at the top for a home field, of, uh, home, home ice advantage for at least one, probably two rounds in the playoffs. Tommy? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a great thing down there. But, you know, Mike, how is Sonero, Charles, you know, like in the capital system up there? I've seen I've seen a little bit of a game last night, Washington, in, in the Penguins up there and that. But how, how is Sonero Charles making it through the, the Washington system? Well, I mean, he seems to be 
fitting in very nicely. He had um, a couple of goals go in um, earlier this month, and that was kind of like the welcome. But I think he fits in really well. I've talked about it a number of times on the show with you guys. This is a veteran team. This is a team that's very much built to win now. So he's coming in, and he's got to be happy with the guys who's around him. You know, you've got John Carlson. You've got Alexander Ovechkin. You've got a a veteran head coach. You know, these are guys who know the, the game. They know how to play. And he's a veteran player who's slotting in with a bunch of other bets Mm -hmm. and I don't think that there's any problem for him because you know you're not dealing with you know I guess the best way to put it is uh, of the NHL is that they know Charo's like the grown man he's like grandpa in the NHL and he's not playing with a bunch of kids he's playing with a bunch of guys who know their job and it's not like he has to teach anybody what to do he doesn't teach have to teach anybody how to practice or play the game or keep themselves mentally Mm -hmm. prepared these guys know how to do that Exactly. It's the same thing here in Tampa right now. I mean, the, the rookies are stepping up big time. Boy, they had a conqueror game the other night against the Panthers, but you know, one game is not make a season up there, as Ryan McDonough said. And, you know, right now, I mean, they don't miss um, Nikita Kutoff that much. I, I don't think she have seen most of the games. And if n- number 91, Steven Santos, is healthy, this team's still going to go. Kutsoff is a great addition, a great player, but he, he doesn't play too white. He plays like the old Mickey Redmond days, Roger and Don, and just, 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 I call him Mr. Blue Line, the Blue Line. So right now, Lightning's playing on all cylinders. Right now, we're playing good. Babalewski's looking great, but Curtis McKinney was in the goal the other the other night, and he kept on looking behind him. When a goaltender looks behind you, that's not, that's, not a good, that's not a good thing, because the puck's always behind him. The puck's in the net that way, but but I but I think right now I think the I think the Lightning is poised for another long run in the playoffs this year. I mean, once you get your future off back, everything will be falling into place right now. But the main thing, as Coach John Cooper said, you know we got to come out stronger. This team's a veteran team now. We come out strong every night, and that that's the main thing. You got to win every night. You beat up on the you know beat up on the certain teams. But the other day. And that's Lightning player, a friend of mine, beat, beat the Lightning Zantan Stroman for his first goal, of the, first goal of the year. And we've got another guy in the past, is Rocco Judas, who plays for the Flyers, and he plays for the Washington Capitals. Uh, and they also, no, that's Capitals for the Lightning. But I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down the road. I think the Lightning is going to try to repeat, but you got to go through Washington, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and the Islanders. Those are the top teams in the other division. And Sidney Crosby, uh, Alexander Ovechkin, and put these first lines for Boston over there, and, and Jack Dacker for Buffalo. That's a, right now, what the division Washington's in, it's a, it's a great hockey division. The division Lightning's in, it's like, you know, Nashville, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Carolina. That's that, that good, but the other division makes up the top teams of Eastern Conference, guys. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, uh, not to get off the uh, NHL uh, topic, but uh, uh, there's been a lot of activity in the last few weeks, as we talked about last week, I think, with the uh, Washington football team. And I see that Chris Polian uh, was hired as uh, head of player personnel, Bill Polian's son. So they've mm-hmm. really got some 
really capable people now. Ron Rivera's, you know, put this, uh, to, even the administrative staff from the football operations really seems to be uh, quite a group. It's interesting because, um, you know, Chris Polian's signing wasn't met with uh, universal acclaim. Of course, Bill did a lot uh, with, with the Colts, and, and, and he's widely considered to be one of the great um, football minds. But, uh, you know, Chris is coming up from Jacksonville, and it's Jacksonville. I mean, what else do you want me to tell you? And so it, there's a lot of um, raised eyebrows. You know, it is uh, Ron Rivera's front office. Um, whether or not it's a hundred percent true that he's behind all the signings uh, of Mayhew and Marty Herney and Chris Polian, right. the perception is that he's getting his band together, and it, it's caused some raised eyebrows because you know the stock is very high with Ron Rivera right now in Washington, but the track record of the guys coming in hasn't been one of great success. So people are like, okay, well, you know, we trust Ron. We think that he's doing the right thing, but at the same time, like, are we really getting the best people or are we just getting guys that Ron likes and feels like he can work well with, but even if he does feel like, hey, these are the guys that work I work well with, I feel like we can get the job done. Uh, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, look, his job is secured through at least next season, probably into the 2022-2023 season before you start to see any sort of question marks or people talking about Ron Rivera's position. Um, but if they fail with player development, if these things go wrong, you know, Ron's going to take the blunt of the blame for it because he is getting – the perception is that he's behind all these hires, that he's made the yeah, decision. They're his, they're his guys. They're his guys. They're his guys. Well, that's, Whether or not that's yeah, 100% see, true, I don't know because we're not in the office and they don't talk about it. And Ron certainly hasn't backed away from that perception mm-hmm. that these are his guys. Well, see, this is the same problem in Philly with the Eagles, okay, that the uh, the new coach has brought in guys that he knows, like, you mm-hmm. know, associates, uh, guys he worked with, his buddies, and there's – except for Jeff Stoutland, who was a uh, carryover uh, from, uh, you know, Doug Peterson – uh, they, they, these are people that you, you know, you hire your buddies, but then you have trouble firing your buddies. Whereas if you hire somebody, you just, you don't know really other than, you know, their reputation, it's a lot easier and, and a lot better. I've, I've heard a lot of, a lot of experts that in the NFL say this in the last uh, week, uh, about this. And then the other thing is, I just found out the other day, and I, and I, I checked his bio and everything. Uh, the uh, Arthur, uh, 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 what is it, Smith, the new coach of the Falcons? That's Fred Smith, the founder of FedEx's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy has paid his dues as a coach. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know I've always been a real fan of Fred Smith because of. Uh, when he started uh, FedEx and how he started it, 
But I had no idea that uh, this was his son, uh, one of his sons, uh, that's the new coach of the Falcons. It's interesting. I think for a while he might have worked with the uh, the, the the Washington football team when he, he could was have. starting early in his career. I don't know. I haven't done all of that much due diligence on, on um, Art Smith, but you know, it, it, and I get the point that you're making, Roger. Like it's and it's one thing when it's you know you're the coach and you're hiring your boys. I mean, I would right. hope that you do your due diligence. Uh, we clearly saw what happened with Urban Meyer when you didn't do your due diligence and you're an NFL coach and you hired the wrong guy. But yeah, it's not even a case of just, uh, you know, it just kind of magnifies that when you're talking about it's one thing when you have to, you, you hire your buddy to be the offensive coordinator. Right. It's another thing when you hire your buddy to be the GM or the director of player personnel. Right. Well, hey, Mike, hang on. never hire Mike, someone Mike, you Roger, can't fire. Hold it, fellas. Hold it. Our, our segment is up. We've got Rick Peckham ready to go and uh, to uh, chat as well. And, and, Mike, thank you very, very much. We never Mike, got around to your, week. Never got to your yep. bread and butter tonight in the world of soccer, but we'll get to that next week. Yes, yeah, I can sum that up in uh, in a couple of words. It's still happening. <laughs> 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 That's good news. <laughs> So, uh, Beckham, welcome to the show once again, and uh, we we've been all over the globe. We've been all over hockey. We've been all over uh, <laughs> the National Football League. So uh, nice to have you back with us. Great to be back with you guys. Thanks very much, Tommy. We'll always you great to up. talk to you, Rick. Uh, it was my pleasure talking to Rick. It, you know, you know when he Rick Peckham is the best announcer in hockey history. He's a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, and and Hernando Oaks, Rick, has your name on it. So they said to me to tell you on the show, what day you, Rick, what day you and the Chief come up, it's wide open. So <laughs> welcome to the well, show, Well, thanks Rick. to you, Tommy. We get the royal treatment whenever we're there. So and we look forward to that. It's, it's funny. But it's a tough game for the Lightning last, on Monday night. But, you know, as Coop said on the post game, it runs into, you, run, you run into tough games like that against the Panthers up there or not or any team. But. I still think this Lightning team is going to repeat and win the Cup again this year. Well, Monday's game was interesting because uh, when you looked at the schedule, say, a couple of weeks ago, and they were playing at the right. time Detroit's and Nashville's and people like that, right. uh, you, you saw this stretch starting with the three with the Panthers and then mm-hmm. Dallas, which, you know, at least Thursday's game's been postponed. But then – Carolina and Dallas again. It's like a ten-game stretch. You knew it was going to be a real tough test, and that's certainly how the three games with the Panthers played out. But yeah. I think Coop's analysis after Monday was was spot on. I don't always agree with his analysis, but he said it wasn't really anything the Panthers did in that loss to the to uh, Florida. It was, you know, their self-inflicted wounds and turnovers, and that's kind of how they played. It was kind of a sloppy. Um, type of thing where they kind of, you know, they played real well on Saturday and then kind of expected it was going to happen again on Monday. And I think they're getting the wake-up call that, especially in this Mm -hmm. stretch of games against teams that they're probably going to have to beat in the first two rounds of the playoffs to get to the semis, um, they're going to have to be a little more consistent. I agree agree about that Roger. 
Yeah, go ahead, Tommy. You want to follow up? Oh, that's okay. Rachi, Rachi, go ahead. <laughs> you know, Rick, um, it's really tough. When we were talking about it earlier, what's going on in the league now because of COVID and weather? Okay, I'm watching uh, on the NBA. I'm watching the 76ers and the Houston Rockets, and I mean Philadelphia's getting a lot of snow, but Houston's got a worse situation. So when you think about it, you know, who knows how many games are going to be suspended or, you know, postponed because of uh, the weather. But talk about it in in the NHL. We were talking about the uh, Flyers playing this weekend out in in Tahoe and the, uh, you know, outdoor classic. And, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Roy had a good point. Maybe the NHL ought to start playing more outdoor games because of the weather. <laughs> yeah, that would uh I think mitigate uh the concerns about COVID. I think it'd be pretty expensive to do that unless you were to, you know, bring a few teams, a handful of teams out to Tahoe to take advantage of this chance to play outside and and maybe freed a little bit from uh from the usual COVID concerns, but yeah, Dallas I guess is really really having a difficult time with the power outages and and just the danger that has uh, created for the residents there uh, to the point where they've now gone ahead and postponed the, the lightning game there Thursday. And they don't know for sure about Saturday because it's that serious wow. and affecting that many people. So, you know, what's next, you know, all these postponements from, you know, COVID and now you throw in uh, mother nature with, uh, you know, ice storms and snowstorms and places that, uh, aren't really used to dealing with that to this extent. So uh, we'll just have to roll with the punches a little more, I guess. Rick, I think they're also trying to, you know, minimize long travel. Uh, obviously, the uh, the airlines have done everything possible and the charter flights as well to protect the players, whether they fly commercial or whether they fly individual uh, charter flights. But at the same time, uh, they they aren't traveling too much, and and, and that's a pretty good trip. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I think the way the league set up these divisions for this year only uh, with uh, Dallas playing in the same division as the Lightning instead of having to travel up to <clears throat> Buffalo and Boston and their usual Atlantic division opponents, you know, Dallas two, two and a half hours away. Nashville's now in their division. That's a little closer. So it does help uh, and certainly cutting down the travel time, realizing that the, the schedule is going to be compacted. But how much more compacted can it be now um, with the wave of postponements affecting a lot of teams? The Lightning have kind of dodged the bullet on that with regard to COVID. But now having to deal with these postponements, uh, they got a ton of games with Dallas now uh, will have to be rescheduled. That's right. I up the rivalry because, I mean, the – Lightning in Dallas. We could see, we could see a lot of Ben Bishop. I hope. <laughs> so, yeah, he might be healthy the by then. So, uh, and you great. know, if you're looking at a uh, projection on Kucherov as to okay, well, a couple of months ago, this is when we thought the playoffs would be ready and Kuch would be ready. If they have to back things up to make up all these games, maybe he's ready. So we'll have to see on that one, That's Tommy. A point. That's a great point when you think about Kuch is ready. And you know, in the in the schedules, you know, in the Lightning's favor, who knows? This I, I still got a 
I still got a great feeling about this hockey club without Kucherov in it right now, because we're not playing the teams like we usually play, the Boston's, the, the Pittsburgh's, or Washington. We're playing this new division, and I think the way we're playing right now with this new division, it's, it's, it's going to be a starting point for get the playoffs underway, get them done. But who'd ever thought be as Dallas would have a game that snowed out? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember one day, exactly. You know, you, I mean, who would think, like, the Rangers and Flyers once played a game and there was a blizzard in the New York guys. You remember that game? And in the, in the, in the Flyers got up in the day before then. They still had to play the game, but they, the fans couldn't get there because the weather is horrendous up in New York that one time. So I think it's – I think who would have figured a blizzard in Dallas? I mean, it's just, it's just unreal. And in, uh, in New Orleans and, and the whole Gulf Coast up there. So it's just uh, – Mother Nature has something against the Gulf Coast, I guess, Rick. Not, not, not a not good weather. Not, not thank God, the Tampa Lightning in the Tampa area still got good weather, so <laughs> we're, we're happy about that. Fine. I know all you guys are spread all over the place here to do this show, but uh, Tommy and I are extremely happy that we're in that little pocket of warm weather down in Florida, and we we haven't really been hit by this. So um, our condolences to you guys elsewhere. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Rick, Rick I, I also I think, think yeah, just, a, just as a sidebar that maybe you comment on is I, I, I just have to feel that uh, a little bit more this year than other years. Uh, you look at the Devils, you look at the Rangers, you look at the Flyers, uh, you look at the Islanders, and even if they throw in Boston, I mean, you're talking about a non-trip. I mean, you're talking they, – they don't have to go anywhere, uh, basically – 15 miles between those four teams, whether you're out on Long Island or where you may be, I think that's a distinct advantage. Yeah, it always has been a, a big advantage for those teams in the East and, and uh, you know, traveling out West to face uh, teams like San Jose or the Kings. And, and we commiserate with the broadcasters there when we go out there and we hear about some of their trips where they play five games, oh. three time zones and cover uh, you know, oh. 2,000, 3,000 miles in, in a five-game trip in the East, um, you know, would never leave the Eastern time zone and it would be a few hundred miles. And and right. there's always been that inequity, I think, uh, with, you know, the, not just the NHL, but NBA and uh, uh, Major League Baseball as well. NFL, of course, is a different animal. Well, right. You're, you're right, because you can uh, uh, rent one of the cars on the Acela uh, from Washington to New York, Philly to New York, and then you can rent a car to go in the uh, Long Island Railroad out to Nassau County. So you've got that, and you can also take the Acela from Washington to Boston. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it all covered. All you got to do is uh, rent a car at Amtrak for the team, and you're okay. But I'll, but I'll tell you right. – also, Roger, yeah, you're sleeping yeah. in the I mean, you know, you're not talking about going, you know, 500 miles. You're talking about going 15. I mean, you're well, home. I, well, I know, but that's my point, Don. You can even go from Washington to Boston on a train, okay? Oh, yeah. You don't have to worry about the plane. You just rent a car, a, you know, a train car. <laughs> but what I was, I was going to say, uh, getting back to the uh, weather in Dallas, I was there during Super Bowl week, and I went to a couple of the Stars games. I got to tell you, Rick, it was scary walking from the parking lot to the arena. I think it was called American Airlines Arena then. You probably would re- remember that name. 
and it was, I mean, solid ice. You know, it was Mm. like a couple of inches thick, and you just could not get any traction. You know, you're, you know, how you do it on ice. You take one step and stop, and and that's what it was. It was amazing that we even got into the place. Well, it's it's just another uh, you know weird phenomenon here with this winter and everything else that's going on. So um, hopefully things uh, turn around quickly in that area and all over the country, and we start to see something positive going on with the weather. Rick, has I anything hope... surprised you thus far? Has anything jumped out of you a team that you didn't think? For instance, that I would think of the Devils. Nobody thought much of the Devils coming in this year. They haven't gotten off to a bad start, even though they had a lot of games with the COVID, but anybody jump out of you that uh, you're looking at and say, wait a minute, I didn't think they were going to get out of the box quite this well. Well, I focused more on the teams in the lightnings division. I know there've been uh, some good surprises, um, you know, elsewhere in the league, but uh, I think Chicago has been an interesting story where, you know, the lightning opened the season for them and just beat them like a drum the first two games and really, in doing so, played a good 30 minutes one night and maybe a good 25 minutes the other, and won handily both times. And you're just like, wow, this goaltending is going nowhere. Uh, a lot of young players. Uh, Patrick Kane looked a little dispirited by you know how bad they were. They don't have Jonathan Taves. They're still missing some very key veteran players on that team. But uh, they found this goalie named Kevin Lankin, and I don't think anybody in the league knew much about him before this year. And here they are over 500. And, you know, they're at the tail end of this stretch of 10 games or so the Lightning have. And back when I was looking at this, I I really didn't see the Hawks as a threat. But I think you got to take them as a threat because they're going to create some noise and they're going to create some problems uh, for some teams here in the final uh, three quarters of the season. Mm. I think you're right about that. Rick, thank you very much for uh, jumping in on this segment of the show because it's always a pleasure, first of all, talk hockey anytime, but uh, more importantly, see exactly what's happening from the front lines with the, uh, you know, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, thank you so very, very much. We hope we get you on again real quick. Rick, okay, well, thanks, Rick. guys. Take it's care. Be safe. Thanks, Rick. Thank you for golf. Thanks, Rick. Thanks you for golf, Rick. Yep. Bye bye. Thank you, Rick. Bye-bye now. Okay. Oh, I'll let you go to the next line. Frank? Hello? Yeah. I was there. Yeah, okay. I was there. No, now we're going to jump back to the football because uh, yes. I joined us uh, a few weeks ago when he was rooting very, very hard for Lynch again after all these tries. Uh, I know you're on with Mike and a Mad Dog. Or not Mike and a Mad Dog, just the Mad Dog. But uh, Ira, how did the meeting go? It was all uh, on the on the cameras and phones and all that kind of stuff rather than being in one room? How did it go? Well, it was very different, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to be with uh, such an august group over here. Uh, <laughs> you're the best, Ira. You're uh, is Tom Gilbert on the line, gentlemen? Tom Gilbert on yeah, the line. Yes, I am, sir. Uh, Tom, uh, in about 10 minutes, I will be passing St. Leo Abbey Golf Course. Just want you to know that. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the road, and uh, I half expect to see uh, I half expect to see Gilbert on the 18th when I get when I go driving by. But uh, 
meeting. It was a nine-hour meeting. Um, and uh, out of the 15 modern-day guys, uh, I think I was number four when I made the Lynch speech. And then Rondé was number seven. So I had a little right. bit of a gap between them. Um, now, the number six guy was Peyton Manning, so I had to be ready because I knew the guy was just going to say Peyton Manning, and then he sat down. So that, there's no presentation Ooh. for Peyton Manning, and, and they didn't need to be. So I don't know. I was feeling very good after the Lynch presentation, gentlemen, and I'll tell you why. Because after I spoke, and, and I cut it down to about four and a half minutes, um, and I, I was like a general. I was like General Patton with his forces because I had arranged for a bunch of different people to talk about Lynch after I was finished. And when I was done, we had about 10 different voters talking up in support of John Lynch. And you don't see that in the room very often. Um, And so, you know, that made, that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, Also having Tony, uh, yeah. And having Tony Dungy, um, you know, in the room, um, that added some votes and, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden I had a real good feeling about this gentlemen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, we finished up and I got to tell you that Rondé Barber, you know, he, he didn't get a lot of traction. He didn't get a lot of traction. Um, um that I, I, I was, I was a little disappointed, but it was his first year in the room. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he'll be back. He'll be back. Good. And, um, you know, he, he's probably going to have to wait a little bit. Probably going to have to wait a little bit. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, now, I, I don't think he's going to have to wait eight years, you know, like Lynch did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got a heck of a case to make, Rondé. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, but when we left the room, guys, when we left the room, you know, they don't tell us anymore who the final five are. They don't tell us. So, so I didn't know for sure. I knew he made the I knew Lynch made the final ten, and and Rondé did not. Rondé did not. Um, so, so Rondé got chopped out on the first uh, cutdown. You know. Um, so I knew Lynch was in the final ten, but I didn't know that he made the final five. I didn't know that for sure. Wow. And so, you know, I, I talked to Derek Brooks, and, you know, Brooks is a big uh, John Lynch guy, obviously. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, so Lynch, was, uh, Lynch was doing a little snooping for me, and, and he called up the president uh, <laughs> of the hall that night. You know, Lynch didn't waste any time. And... And he called the guy up, and the guy wouldn't tell him anything. He wouldn't tell Lynch anything. Um, so the meeting was on a Tuesday, and then all of a sudden on Friday, three days later, I got a phone call from Derek Brooks. And I was driving my car, and Derek Brooks said, Ira, I'm going to tell you something, and you can't say a word to anybody. Oh. And, I said, and I said, all right. What is it? He said, Lynch got in. Lynch got in. Oh, God. What a relief that was. That was unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. 
That's great. And he said, you can't tell anybody because in two days on Sunday, David Baker, the president of the hall, is going to come to Lynch's house, and he's going to knock on his door. And we don't want... And we don't want to spoil the surprise. We don't want to spoil the surprise. Oh. So I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. So what happened was the whole thing, somehow they got a hold of Lynch's wife's phone number, her cell phone, and they called her. And her name's Linda. And they said, Linda, this is David Baker from the hall. Your husband is going to get a gold jacket. But you can't say anything for 48 hours. The only reason we're calling you is we're coming over to the house on Sunday, and you got to make sure that your husband is home. And <laughs> That's she a great spent two story. Days. That's a great story. Yeah. She spent two days next to John Lynch and couldn't tell her husband that he was going to the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Oh, great story. And, and, and that's Sunday, up in San Francisco, uh, right, Ira? Yeah. And, live, and yeah. Sunday afternoon, Baker knocked on his door, and he happened to have a lot of relatives over because they were going to watch the uh, they were going to watch the conference championship games. The Bucks were in Green Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, Cleveland Cleveland was playing Kansas City or whatever. And so anyway. Baker knocked on the door, and Lynch walked over to the door and opened it. And I don't know if you guys have seen the video, because they've shown it a few times. Um, yeah, I saw but, You know, Lynch good. opened the door, and he, and he saw Baker, and he, he knows who Baker is. But, like, you he did not Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, all of a sudden, all the emotion overcame Lynch. All the emotion. And he told me that he almost fell to his knees. And uh, and so I'm going to Canton this summer uh, because Ooh. when a buck gets in, I go to Canton, and it's a great trip. There you go. And um, I I highly recommend it to uh, to you guys if you ever get to uh, get to go to Canton, Ohio, you should go. Yes. Well, I, I I'll that, say you're right. It's getting better and better every year. They keep uh, they keep improving things as you go along, and. Uh, but that is a great story about Lynch. Of course, you, when you were on with us a couple of weeks ago, you talked about your preparation to, to present Lynch again this year uh, and all the things that went with it and all the difficulties it was going to be this year because everybody wasn't going to be in the same room as they always are. Uh, what, right. a, what, a great final, what a great final answer to that, coming out with that story. Wow. You know, it was interesting. Guys, it was interesting with Tony Dungy and Bill Polian were the new members, the new voting members, and uh, and they both did a lot of talking. You know, it was a nine-hour meeting, nine hours on Zoom, and they only gave you ten minutes for a bathroom break. Uh, oh, I, wow. bathroom break. I, I think I missed two presentations, gentlemen, uh, while I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> hey, Ira, I wanted to ask you uh, what your feeling was uh I expressed mine last week. I did not, I was not impressed uh, with the NFL awards uh, show, period. I, and I love it. Every year I've loved it. I thought it was awful. And I did not like, personally, I did not like the way they handled the, the, uh, the Hall of Famers, the new Hall of Famers. 
you know, I like it when it's uh, like the whole group, boom, and and they announce them all, not where it's spread out throughout the show. And then to wrap it up, I thought the the rap was really good on Peyton Manning with having Tony Dungy and, and all these uh, coaches that influence his career. But uh, I just was not impressed with the uh, – I think the, the NFL could have done a much better job on the NFL awards. Uh, do you have an opinion about it? I have an opinion, and my opinion is I think everything you said is exactly correct. Everything. Wow. Um, they started off with a couple of songs, a couple of hip-hop oh. songs. Right. Um, awful. Absolutely awful. You couldn't tell one word from another. Um, I had the closed captions on the screen. When I looked at the words of the songs, I, I, I wished I had the closed captions off. I mean, uh, right. it was awful. Uh, and then, like you said, they spread everybody out. You didn't know when the hell they were going to announce John Lynch. I think he was next to last, next to uh, Manning. And um, the whole show was a disaster. And, look, I know it's tough to do it virtually. I know that. Because uh, it was mm-hmm. going to be in the Stras Center. They had to cancel it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, guys, they, they had four months to plan the show. I mean, it wasn't right, like right. Uh, they didn't know that it was going to be virtual, and they did a bad job. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think everything you said is correct. Uh, it, it, it was a bad job. Tommy? Oh, I have to agree with you, Oliver, but when I, when I, when I was thinking about that, you know, just thinking about that, hope hope John gets it, hope Howard does a great presentation, then, you know, my, my only thing about the Super Bowl complaint is, it's just that none of the announcers announced how great the Buccaneer defense was playing. And then they said, like, 2002, and here's one of the captains in the Hall of Fame. John Lynch was at the stadium presently watching watching his old team play. I mean, it's a, it's a great tribute. I would thank you so much for 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 speaking for John Lynch. Uh, I remember one day we were sitting at the table at the, the Ray J, and then, then he, John Lynch comes walking by. He's doing TV stuff, and he said, hope I get in the Hall. I said, and you said, you, I will try to get you in the hall. <laughs> you know, and you did, and you did. Ira. It was it was a tremendous yeah. relief. Um, and you know, as as a voter, uh, you tell yourself you you don't want to get too uh, wrapped up in it. You don't want to mm-hmm. make it personal. But guys, you work with the guy, uh, you know, for eight years. Uh, it, it's going to be personal, man. It's going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, Guys, I want to say something about the Super Bowl. You guys, um, uh, is Leo Haggerty over there? No. No. No, no. Okay. I was just wondering. Uh, Guys, I I got a point. He's resting at home. It's a little late for him to be up. He can't be up quite this late. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, guys, look, you you guys know your football. And I've been thinking about this. You know, look, Todd Bowles is, is an outstanding assistant coach. There's no question about it. But as far as that Super Bowl, guys, just that one game, I think Bowles is getting too much credit uh, in this respect. You know, people are saying that he he went from a zone defense and he changed up and he confused Patrick Mahomes. To me, the game was very simple. The Chiefs tried mm-hmm blocking with five guys and they could their five couldn't block the buck 
four. And exactly. When you got a pass rush like that, and Andy Reid never made any adjustments, and right. I think that was the game. Mahomes was running for his life from the start mm-hmm. of the game till the end of the game, and that that's what the whole game boiled down to. Mm-hmm. Weren't you a little surprised the way Andy, with the versatility that he, uh, he usually brings to the, to the sidelines for every game, weren't you surprised that he didn't immediately go to the running game and a lot more and, and, and really change the complexion rather than try to stay the, the way they were? Excellent point. And, you know, guys, I, I think we've got to be honest here. We're always honest on this show. What happened with Andy Reid with, with his son uh, three days right. before the Super Bowl, yep. uh, I, I don't think Andy Reid's mind was on that game. I, I do not. No. And, uh, and I don't really blame him. I don't blame him. Uh, it's just unfortunate. But he coached a bad game. He did. He used those timeouts mm-hmm. at the end of the first half. I don't know why he did that. The Bucks were running out the clock. Uh, they could have went in down 14-6. Andy Reid tried to get greedy. And the next thing mm-hmm. you know, the Bucks score another touchdown. Um, he never made any adjustments on his blocking. So, you know what? Anybody who says that what happened to Andy Reid and his son didn't have an effect on that game, I think that's nuts. But I think the Bucks right. would have won anyway. The Bucs were the better team, but that was a bad game. That was a bad night for Andy Reid. Yes, so oh, one good point, uh, Ira, I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not, but the young fellow within the accident uh, came out of the coma today. And uh, so that's a very positive sign. And uh, yeah, I, don't yeah. know what, I don't know what the situation is as far as any kind of uh, injuries are concerned, but uh, today they uh, was in the paper uh, last night that he came out of the coma. I think the kid. I think the kids in a lot of the kids in a lot of trouble. His son's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll tell you something, Ira. Uh, Don and I were both in Philadelphia area when uh, the first incident happened with both both of his sons Uh, when they uh, got arrested, uh, you know, for the drugs and having a gun and everything else, all on the same day. And then, of course, uh, Garrett, the oldest son was found dead at Lehigh uh, during training camp, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah. This, Andy has had to put up with a lot of tragedy with, with those two boys. And uh, I, you know, Britt, the, uh, uh, the young, the young man, the, uh, his son that just had the accident, he was let go by the chiefs. Obviously you have to, but uh, I just, I feel sorry for Andy. I really do. Uh, you know, and and who knows, uh, you know, what contributes to it. But uh, uh, I just – I felt sorry for him. I thought he was a – I think he's a great coach. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I covered him for a number of years when he was in Philadelphia, a lot of press conferences, and I like the man. I know there's people that uh, say, well, he never won a Super Bowl. Well, he won one, but he didn't win it in Philadelphia. That's the, their point. Right. Uh, I, I, think right. You, I think your points are well taken. He's a beloved coach. He's a beloved coach. Uh, And I think after his career is over, I think he's going to end up with a bust in Canton. I think he will. Yeah, I do too. The guy's been to to three Super Bowls, right? Uh, He won one. Uh, He's been to a million, uh, you know, title games. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
And you know what? I think he's going to coach another five years. I don't, I don't think he's slowing down. Um, so you're right. He's been through a lot of personal tragedy. He's a strong, strong figure. And he's a guy that you root for. You, you definitely root for him. Right. All right, let me ask After you this. And, uh, you know, every time you get to the halftime of the Super Bowl this year, they're already worried about telling you about the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> so the same thing with the Hall of Fame. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about uh, what will lead up to the Hall of Fame for uh, the upcoming year? And, and uh, is there any sure thing like Peyton Manning was this year? All right. It, it's very interesting, the class of 2022. It, it's very unlike this year's class. Very unlike right. it in this respect. You know, we put in three first-time Hall of Famers this year. Three. Um there was no doubt about Manning. There wasn't much doubt about Charles Woodson. Um, and maybe uh, I thought it was about 50-50 on Calvin Johnson. But, you know, he was, a, he was a special receiver. He was. And, you know, I think one of the things that helped Calvin Johnson was Tony Dungy. You know, he spoke up for Calvin Johnson, and he said – you know, the box when they had that great defense, they used to say, we do what we do. We don't make any adjustments. We we trust what we do. Well, Tony Dungy said that when they played the Lions and Calvin Johnson, they, they had to go away from what they normally do because of Calvin Johnson. So wow. when, you hear that as a, when you hear that as a voter, you know, that resonates. That resonates. So sure. next year, next year is very different. I'll tell you why. We we don't have any Peyton Mannings next year. We have Charles Woodson. We have the number one guy as a first time eligible is Demarcus Ware. Demarcus Ooh. Ware, you know, very, very good player, linebacker, Cowboys, uh, got about 120 sacks. Um, you know, heck of a player, but he's not Peyton Manning. And no. Is he gonna get is he gonna get in his first year? Maybe. Maybe not. But he's the number one guy. So here's what that means. That means that the guys that came close this year, close. And by that I mean Tony Baselli, especially because Alan Fanica's already gone now. And right. you know, there was a there was a lot, Jim. We had Kevin Mawai, we had Hutchinson, we had Fanica, and we had Baselli. Well, three of them are now gone. The only guy left is Baselli as an offensive mm. lineman. If I had to bet right now, I, I would bet $1,000. Baselli will get in next year. Baselli will mm. get in. Uh, we call it like a cleanup year, guys. We consider it like a cleanup year when it's not a great first-year class. And then you can mm. go and look at – and you look at guys – that are close, like maybe Leroy Butler. You guys remember Leroy Butler, um, safety for the Packers. He's close. Uh, he could get in next year. Zach Thomas, guys, linebacker for Miami. The guy was like right. a tackle machine. Um, he could get in. Uh, and I'm hoping Rondé Barber makes uh, yes. you know some strides next year. At least get into the top ten. That would be progress. Exactly. You're looking for progress. So next year, there's no glamour first-year guy on the top of the board like a Peyton Manning. So 
it's a very different year next year. Roger, Ira, what, what do you think is going to happen with the the cap? I, I mentioned earlier that consensus is it's going to go down. And I just saw that uh, Mike Tomlin said, or the general manager, I should say, of the Steelers said, uh, Roethlisberger is the quarterback today. And there are going to be $22 million over the cap. The Eagles are going to be about $30 million over the cap, depending on what happens with Wentz. What do you think is going to happen uh, with the cap? And, uh, and, and is everybody, or am I right, it's going to go down in your opinion? I, I think you're right, but I don't think it's going to be drastic. I don't think it'll be drastic because I, I don't think NFL owners will stand for that because that would mean – you would see some uh, really big-name free agents all over the place, guys getting cut left and right. Because you got to remember, guys, you know, the cap guys and the GMs and the personnel guys, they all plan things, you know, three years down the road. And, uh, you know, the assumption is the cap's going to go up a certain percentage every year. And so that is what they budget for. So if the cap goes down by a significant margin, I think you're looking at chaos. So I think that the league will find a way. Uh, Don't forget, they're renegotiating television contracts. Uh, They could borrow against future money. Uh, So, look, could it go down? Yeah, it could go down, which by itself would be a big change because it goes up every year. But I don't see it going down. I don't see it going down significantly. I do not. I read in the first half hour, uh, Roy Cummings made a very key point about a young people that uh, you covered uh, that passed away this week. And uh, before we go off again, uh, we're going to have Frank give the address and so forth uh, so we can donate a little money or a little something uh, during the course of the program tonight. Uh, but I know you must have covered him as well, and, and nobody really knows the actual result yet of what happened, but uh, your thoughts. I mean, it's a shocker. It's a real shocker. Uh, I, I wrote a Vincent Jackson column yesterday. I called Dirk Cutter, um, and uh, he spoke to me for about 15 minutes. Cutter's retired now, but he, he coached Vincent Jackson, said he was a consummate professional. You know, the guy was very good. Uh, is he going to end up in Canton? No, he's not. But he was very good uh, over a long period of time. Uh, He was also outstanding in the community. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, this is a military uh, town with McDill. And, of course, his parents were both uh, in the Army. And uh, so he was a tremendous representative for the Bucks. We don't want to speculate about what happened in that hotel room. That's not fair. Um, I don't like when when people try to do that. They don't know anything about the facts. Mm -hmm. Let's wait till the facts come out. It is. It's a tragedy. He's deal with in the locker room. Uh, always um, a professional. And uh, guys, it just seems like in the last year, year and a half, boy, we've lost a lot of people, um, and, and a lot of them were young. And um, it, it just goes to show you can never take anything for granted. Yeah. Take it a day at a time. You're right. Day at a time. Right. Always eat, your, right. always yeah, eat the dessert first. You want to slow to reiterate <laughs> right. what you told uh, uh, Roy earlier in the show, and uh, people may be uh, 
uh, get an idea of uh, the group that he uh, represented and try to raise money for and uh, do the best he could for the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the Vincent Jackson Fund is located in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, if you just uh, send it to, um, to their attention uh, at McDill Air Force Base, uh, they'll make sure that uh, everything gets to the foundation. Um, again, uh, a tremendous person on and off the field, uh, a tremendous uh, commitment to the members of the armed forces, but a bigger commitment to the children of the, of the, of the yeah. parents that were being deployed. Um, never, and ever I think, did I uh, ever God, hear him. I think, um, I think the Glazers should uh, think hard about uh, putting Vincent Jackson in the ring of honor. I, I think, uh, yep. you know, uh, I, I think all things considered, he, he's a pretty good candidate. I have a column about that right now, and I agree with you 100%. I want to tell you that this is a, a great column you wrote. Thanks, buddy. Uh, some people don't think he belongs he didn't play long enough. You know what? Sometimes it's more than what you do on the field. Sometimes. And uh, he, he, you know, he was that, uh, I think he was uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, uh, nominee for the Bucks for four years in a row. Four years in a row. Yeah, um, that says something. And so, yeah, that says something. That says something. Tommy? Yeah. I think you're right about that. I was just putting in the the Bucks Hall of Fame up at the, up the stadium up there. And I, I remember one day he walked in the, the lightning office when to see everything around down there. I love this story. Ira. And he walked around and, and I said, hey, oh, please, yeah. Tommy, what are you doing here? I didn't know he worked here. <laughs> so anyway, I gave him some and stuff, him and his kid. And then he wanted him. He said, hey, you want to go to the, you want to go to the football game on uh, January 2nd? This happened a couple of years ago. I said, sure. Thank you so much. And and you know we we talked for, you know we talked a little bit you know went down to the, the room we came out and greeted us everything like that but down deep in my down deep side Ira he's such a class 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 individual and we lost a great man and great Jackson that's coming from my heart Tommy you're Tommy your your lightning are looking pretty good over there Mr Gilbert yeah, yes they are <laughs> yes they are Ira just. Just, just hopefully just play one game at a time, the old cliche, and, and who knows, probably play hockey in, in probably ju- late June or July when, when cup, cup number two, I rest I'm predicting. You know, Tom, you, you don't even remember that they're playing without uh, Kucherov. You, you don't even think about it, you know? I no. mean, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, so it, with, with John Cooper, you know, coach these guys and the, Everybody knows that it's just like a machine. It's like a like a piston. You know, but one piston's not working good. You plug another piston in. It wants the thing to keep on running the machine down there. And right now they got the parts that can be plugged in real good. They got three great lines coming off there. And Babaleski's looking up like the best on trophy that he had that he's that he's on. I and I think it's cup number two this year. I that's the, that'd be so wonderful. I remember remember the times where you reckon. And Emily and Roy would go out to the golf course, and they say, "Where are we watching the hockey game that night?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tom. Uh, one day, one day on this show, I'll tell the story about the sand crane, uh, Mr. Gilbert. <laughs> uh, I, I... Oh no! 
to hear that, Ira. That sounds like a winner. Oh, my God. By the way, speaking of the Bucks, one more thing, guys. One more thing about the Bucks. Um, they got a lot of decisions to make, gentlemen. Ooh, they do. They do. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been thinking about Chris Godwin, who, who I really like, Chris Godwin. But they can't keep everybody. And, right. you know, you want to keep that defense and that pass rush. And you want to keep Levante David. And the more I'm thinking about Godwin, I mean, suppose they bring back Antonio Brown. They got Evans. They got Scotty Miller. And they got a kid named Tyler Johnson. Same name as the Lightning player, Tyler Johnson. And he looked pretty good as a rookie. So Mm -hmm. if Chris Godwin, guys, if he's trying to break the bank, you know, and and make a, a really a lot of money, um, he might want to go somewhere else as a number one receiver. And uh, I think the Bucks are going to have uh, a tough decision to make about Godwin, who I think he's really good, but, you know, you can't keep everybody. It's a great All right, point. let me ask you this, because I was sort of happy that the uh, young man came in, uh, Smith couldn't play in the playoff game, and then they get the quarterback <laughs> hurt, and he couldn't play. The guy nobody ever heard of before comes in and, and put on a remarkable show. And I was yeah. glad to see that the Washington reward him by giving him a contract. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a starting quarterback or backup quarterback or any kind of quarterback, but at least they gave him a contract and uh, he knows he's going to get some money for next year. And I just thought that was great by the organization. I'm with you. Now, look, we don't know about him long term, but that night he was outstanding. He was. He made some really tough throws. And, um, you know, I never, heard, I never heard of the guy before that. And, um, you know, if you're Washington, you at least got to give him a chance and see what you got. You, you might have a diamond in the rough there. He, he played a hell of a game uh, considering how good the Buck defense was in the playoffs. Uh, he looked better than Breeze, Rogers, or Mahomes, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, he did. Great point. Yeah, yes, he I, did. I, in all your years, I recovery football, and I've been covering a long time. I've never seen a guy come in with that little bit of experience and do anything that was even close to being dramatic. And I mean, a lot of years we see backup quarterbacks. In fact, I'll tell you, I think uh, uh, Arizona would have won a couple of years ago if he'd have made a, a move from, you know, a, a a free agent quarterback instead of going number two and number three and then getting knocked out of going to uh, anything in the playoffs. So, but to me, uh, I've never seen a quarterback come in with no experience and do something like that. That was a, that was a remarkable effort. There's no doubt about it. Um, And um, I, I still remember that touchdown he threw into the left corner of the end zone. I mean, that looked like um, it looked like Bart Starr on that pass. I mean, it was gorgeous. Uh, so, you know, if I if Washington uh, got if they got a little offense, that that'd be a pretty good team because they can play some defense over there. Right. Yes, they do. All right. Thank you very very much for spending so yes. much time with us. Congratulations on getting Mr. Lynch into the Hall of Fame as his sponsor. And uh, giving us an update on what's happening. And then, of course, looking forward to what may happen uh, next year. Look forward to the next time you join us. And keep the mad dog online, will you please? <laughs> my, my, my yeah. My pleasure. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and ask, ask Tom Gilbert about my foot wedge. I'm 
one of the best foot wedges around, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ira, next time you come on, Ira, get to that. Best. We love you. Take care. We love you, Ira. God bless you. Well, Thank right. you. Thank you, Ira. We'll certainly look forward to the next time you join us. It's always a, oh, boy. It's always a, a great half hour. All right, let's go. Sure, Doug, uh, Doug Howell is on the line, our resident PGA in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, a lot of snow down there right now, so I don't have to ask you whether he's playing any golf or not. But uh, any good news for us before we start, Doug? Well, you know, Frank and I were talking about this. Um, you know, obviously each week I look forward to the show and spending time with you guys and, and uh, a few minutes that Frank and I have uh, just, you know, BS about, you know, life. He's been incredibly uh, helpful with guidance and advice. And, um, you know, I I told him, I said, uh, on one hand, for all these years, I had wished for snow. This would be the only year that I kind of didn't wish for snow because being unemployed, I'd, I'd like to actually go play golf. And I told him, I said, you know, if um, if the CARES Act continues and they're going to add an additional $400 to the unemployment, well, hell, I'll just play golf every day until something crops up. And I can't even do that because the, because it's going to snow. We're supposed to get another six inches of snow tonight. And I'm just like, you know, I'm wearing out the carpet in my basement here. I got divots and all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, dipping <laughs> balls. But it's the best I can do, you know. Uh, Roger? Yeah. So. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I was uh, flipping the channel, Doug, and I see the channels, and I see that uh, – they're doing uh, highlights of masters from over the years golf channel. And that's got to mm-hmm. uh, be just a, a great, uh, uh, you know, a, a real uh, great ticket for you or a great thrill for you yeah. just to sit and watch that. Well, you know, I, I have direct that's TV tough. and tough. from time to time I'm, I'm flipping through all these channels and I got to tell you, you know, as a revelation, uh, I was actually, before I called here, I was watching the uh, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. I was actually watching a hockey game because Uh-oh. I've turned, uh, well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm branching out here, and i got to tell you something else. I, I, I did 65 minutes of cardio on the elliptical today, and I absolutely hate cardio. So this, this time off for me has been wonderful to kind of expand my horizons in terms of you know, trying some different things and, and experiencing some, some new things. Um, it's been a wonderful reflection period for me to uh, detach myself from that everyday grind uh, that we all go through forever in our life in terms of work. And I think you lose sight of what's incredibly important to you. And, you know, I can safely say, um, you know, spending time here at the house and uh, not having a schedule, um, you know, being able to, to kind of just do whatever, uh, having mom and dad, um, you know, come over on the weekends, um, has been absolutely wonderful to spend time with friends and family and, and just the advice that I've gotten and, and, and all the different things has been, um, kind of a renewal, if you will, that, um, that, that there are an awful lot of really good people, uh, in this world. Even when I go to the gym, I I have random conversations with people, um, you know, that I've never met before, uh, that you find some level of connection with. Um, and so, you know, there really truly are good people left in this world. And I think you lose sight of so many basic, um, human principles, uh, when you're so involved in your everyday of work and, and commute yeah. and, you know, whatever it is. So uh, again, I, I, I certainly don't wish people to be unemployed, but at the same time, I think if you use that time wisely, 
um, you know, you can kind of recharge your batteries and, and start all over again and, and get yourself away from, you know, the monotony and minutia, if you will, of, of an everyday, um, you know, grind and the stress and all the different things. So it's, I, I don't miss that place at all. Um, you know, to, to walk away from there and, um, you know, do some different things. It's, it's really been a blessing for me, uh, to appreciate a lot of things that maybe I didn't appreciate before. So, well, I'll tell you when you say that, Doug, it's interesting because kind of said I had a great piece in the uh, in the post today, and, and I don't mean to bring a guy out of left field because you've probably never heard of him. I never have, mm-hmm. and that's Tommy Mack the third. He's 32 mm-hmm. years old. He got a special invitation uh, to play in this week's tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. He's lived in his car for six mm-hmm. months. Had no mm-hmm. and uh, he's been a golfer that's been trying and trying and trying to succeed on the PGA Tour. A terrific, terrific story about him and about mm-hmm. his father, how his father did everything in the world for him to make his, uh, live his dream. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's got a chance at this tournament now. He's got to come in under the, what is it, Sifford, Sifford uh, uh, mm-hmm. invitation list. And uh, I don't know if you'd ever heard of him or not, but a great, great story mm-hmm. if you look on your computer about a young man who's 32 years of age. He's still out there trying to do it. Wow. Well, Credit you know, mankind is, you know, whether it's, you know, golf or, or hockey or basketball, whatever sport or whatever facet of life you want to talk about, you know, there are so many people that are extremely talented that really never get a chance, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for them to get their chance um, is, is a wonderful thing. I mean, that's the first and foremost thing in terms of, accomplishment is to get the opportunity um, and what you do with that opportunity is is the amazing part um, you know so I think you know parlaying that into a, a future endeavor for me is you know this has given me a chance to to reboot and the next opportunity that I get will be a fresh start and Good. you know heck I, I hope it's it's a club that's in deep need of of experience and wisdom and and knowledge that I possess that I could you know, be somewhat of a reclamation project and turn it around and, and, you know, prove to people that, you know, I know what I'm doing and I can make money for them. Um, so that's exciting to me. I don't, I don't think you really ever want to walk into a scenario where everything's great, you know what I mean? Because the expectation level certainly changes. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm well, excited about going to get a guy say 32 years of age, a young fellow. Yeah. Uh, Riviera well, country club. I can say, or honestly, I've never been there. I don't know how difficult Riviera is to be, to be mm-hmm. honest about it, uh, yeah. but uh, he's getting a second chance now to, and as they point out, if he was fortunate enough to put it together, we were talking in the last uh, half hour mm-hmm. with Ira about uh, what happened in Washington with a quarterback that never played before, and all of a sudden he yeah. comes in and he's almost a superstar. Well, this sure. young fellow's 32 years of age, and, uh, you know, if he gets in the top 10, he, he you know, he, he's on the tour, he's making some money, uh, he gets a chance to play mm-hmm. elsewhere. Uh, it's a, but as you point out, it's so tough. I mean, that the mm-hmm. sport right now, golf is so tough. It's so mm-hmm. deep in talent. You, you mm-hmm. can go down two, three hundred, and you still have guys that can win. Right. Well, I mean, listen, that all every single one of those guys, um, and you you can even make a reference point to to Taylor Heineke as you just did that. You know, with, all those guys at that level are talented. I mean, no no one no one's there to question that. It's 
you know, do you get your opportunity and what do you do with your opportunity? How hard do you work to prepare yourself so that when you do get your opportunity, you can make the best of it? Um, you know, the, the mental aspects, um, the, the workout regimens, um, you know, the routine that you carry. I mean, do you know how incredibly difficult it would be for um, a guy to walk into that, you know, whatever NFL training camp um, and be have have the same level of arm talent or the best speed or, you know, whatever, um, but not get his chance and still have to go through the same, you know, protocols every single day, whether it's in the gym or diet or, you know, studying playbooks or watching film, and he may never even get his chance, you know, so what does it say about somebody who actually goes through every single one of those facets to, to make, you know, put himself in the best possible opportunity, you know, and, and you root for those guys, you know, T Taylor Heineke, you know, was a nobody from Old Dominion who didn't even have a football program until like, what was it, 2005 or whatever it was. They, they weren't even on the map. They were, they started as an FBS school, um, you know, one double A and, and then, you know, bumped up to division one. And here's a guy who, you know, threw a bunch of touchdowns and was a nobody and now got his chance and made good. I mean, you, you got to love that. I mean, the rewarding of that for him to get a two-year contract and eight million bucks in his pocket is, is awesome. You know, that's, mm -hmm. those are the stories you root for. Exactly. So. Exactly. Okay. They're up over uh, Houston by 21. Tom, you there? Tommy, Tommy, you with us, Tommy? Yes, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Doug, what is your tip for the week for, you know, for down here in in Florida? If someone coming from the north mm. wants to play tough and full, what, what, you, what, what tip are you would tell them to, to work on right now? <clears throat> well, I, I would say, first of all, drive. I don't think flying is safe. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, if you're tired, take a nap. That's That's always a good one. Um, you know, I think if you have the ability to, to play some golf this time of year, gosh, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, as we mentioned, I mean, it's all across the country. It's, it's been incredibly cold. Um, you know, winter storms have, you know, pillaged, um, you know, even into Texas who doesn't even know what snow looks like. Uh, so if, if you're in an area where you actually can play, um, <laughs> You're either um, you either probably can't get a tee time uh, or there's no one there because no one would be there. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think we take certain things for granted um, in terms of, you know, hey, I don't have to hit range balls today because I, you know, I I feel loose. I had a couple cups of coffee and I'm ready to go to the first tee, and you wind up pulling a muscle, you know. So, right. um, you know, stay stay true to yourself and. Uh, and go through your same uh, practice and routines and, um, you know, hit some shots before you go out to the first tee. And, and I think that so many people get caught up in their scorecards of what did I actually shoot as opposed to the reality of the number and what it means. You know, how did you putt? How did you chip? What were you doing inside 100 yards? How did you drive the ball? How many fairways did you hit? Um, what, what was your, you know, did you get any bunkers? What was your bunker play? So expand that scorecard um, not so that it just reflects um, a whole-by-whole -whole score, but an actuality of areas that you can um, use, utilize your practice time to, to improve upon. That's a great point. You know, these people, they go hit it, they, they stand on top, they address the ball, it looks like they're, you know, going to ever address the ball. Then it goes two feet down the fairway. Instead of going to the range before you 
you know, before you come out to go to the range, go to the range up mm-hmm. there before you before you hit hit some shots and that. And that's uh, mm-hmm. that's a thing to do. Once you hit, hit some shots, you feel comfortable. Doug, I did experiment today. I played today, and uh, you know, it used to be bend down when you hit the swing. I stood up on mm-hmm. the ball. Thing was going. The drivers are going good. The irons are going up in the air and not not choking at it. So, so I, I corrected my swing today because I stood perpendicular to the ball in the drive. Make sure left arm is straight. You follow through, and the irons almost had a hole in one day that one of the holes up mm. out in the Hernando nice. up there. It's a, it's a great golf That's course, awesome. guys. Hernando, we're you know located 20 miles north of 40 miles north of Tampa. Two five two seven nine 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 nine. Zero way for a good. This course reminds you of a nice, a nice northern golf course. Mm-hmm. There's hills, trees, and everything else. But Doug, you would be proud of me. I hit, I hit the, mm-hmm. I hit a four iron. Oh, good off the tee. Mm-hmm. Par three, you got over a valley, and it's like five feet away from the stick. So I was, I got my old swing back. Thank, thank God for that. So thank God I went out. Good for you. Hey, time. listen. Tommy, I'm just I'm just glad you're healthy enough to go play and enjoy yourself and enjoy the game and have some fun while you're doing it. I think that, again, to my previous point, I think we get caught up in our scorecards. Um, you know, and I understand it's a competition with yourself at the golf course, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to love what you're doing. And, you know, I know that you've battled some different things, so I think it's wonderful that you have the opportunity to go play and, and that you have a good mm-hmm. time while you're doing it. And I think that's super important. But the thing about Roger, that, I don't. Wasn't such a cheap bastard. He'd invite you down for a week. <laughs> yeah, I was second thing. Come down, Tommy. Come down get us. get yeah. Doug down there. I'm thinking he with. You know. <laughs> you, you know, I just. I'll you see. I, I think Frank, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, this is the time. Uh, give Doug, right. Doug some downtime. Get him down to Florida. Tommy, you can yeah. uh, house him, get him out there on <laughs> the course, and hey. uh, and he can teach you some things. Hey, Probably Roger, let me check. Let me check my schedule. I think I'm off for a few days. There you go. Sorry to hear you Doug, because uh, Tommy was going to give you a couple of tickets to fly down mm-hmm. here, stay with him for a few days, and play golf. But, well, yeah. man, you, you can drive. You can drive if you want to, but he'd rather give you a couple of plane tickets. Well, he, by the time I get there, he'll he'll start lobbying for amounts of shots per hole, and he'll nickel and dime me on Nassau bets oh. and all that stuff. So I mean, it's you know. Seriously, went to house in the house in March. Once this gets built and everything, come on down and get out of that. Just come down and hit some golf balls mm. with me. I I can't. I can't wait. I know that uh, Frank's first question to me was, what's the weather? And I said, we're anticipating, they said, somewhere between 6 and 12 inches of snow here the next, you know, 24, 36 hours. So, um, you know, most most of it melted. We had some snow. We had some rain, uh, a little bit of ice in there. But most of it's melted. We can see green grass. But looks like we're going to get covered again here. So, you know, nice. before, you, before you, we uh, you, let's talk a little bit about golf. Are you a advocate yeah. of utility uh, club for a bump and run, or do you like to to go right at it with uh, you know whatever club that you uh, you feel most comfortable with? A, a lot of folks yeah, down mean, here are using utility clubs to bump, mm-hmm. bump and run rather than uh, to chip it up. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, m- most of the clubs, if you're talking about Florida, are, are pretty flat in terms of uh, right, fairways right. and greens. So I, I believe truly in getting the ball on the ground um, as soon as you can in terms of uh, the chipping style. I think the, the days of the flop and the higher lofted and 60 degree and all those sorts of wedges to carry the ball to the hole, your your precision has to be on point uh, if you're going to fly the ball uh, to the stick itself. So um, I think your your error, you know, margin for error um, expands in terms of, you know, playing it more, whether you're using a hybrid or, you know, 52 or pitching wedge, 9-iron or something like that, just hitting that little nipper to get it, you know, rolling. Um, but I also think people have to be smarter about if you're going to bump and run it, you know, you got to pick your spot, you know, to land it. You're not looking at the hole. You're going to have to focus your eyes somewhere between the hole and, and where you're standing in terms of letting it run uh, to its intended mm-hmm. target because it's going to spend more ground time. So, um, and that just takes some practice, touch and feel uh, to do that. And the other thing is that uh, I, I see last week, you know, they haven't passed it yet. I think it's going to be passed pretty quickly. They're going to be able mm-hmm. to use the viewfinders now. And uh, I yeah. think the Open, uh, the Masters, I don't know about the Masters, but the Open, the PGA, mm-hmm. they say it's going to speed the game up. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was a little amazed at that. I, I thought that was a responsibility of the player and the caddy. It always has mm-hmm. been. Uh, yep. I don't know if it'll speed it up or not, but I was a little surprised that mm-hmm. they're even thinking about making that adjustment. That's uh, kind of the way of the world with technology. And I know that, you know, by and large in amateur golf um, at the country club level or, or wherever you're playing, it's, it's a staple of, of, you know, playing around right. the golf now. Um, you know, those guys are always calculating certain things. I mean, they know their precisions in terms of, you know, all the, the factors of slope and wind and those guys are using them during practice rounds anyway. I mean, they wear shorts during practice rounds. So, I mean, everything has changed and, I don't see it as a bad thing. I know that the traditionalists are going to say, oh, well, that's, you know, we can't do that. Um, but I don't think it matters either way. I think I think it's a good thing for golf. Okay. Maybe it will speed it up. I mean, they, they, you know, they're trying to keep the tournaments going so that there's no lag. And, you know, some of the players mm-hmm. uh, this last weekend, it was quite a, a number of holes that went at the Hebel Beach. There was a, a lag. They were standing on the tees for quite a while before they got there. They think that will eliminate mm-hmm. some of that. Uh, right. And, but they're not saying they're doing it for all the tournaments. It was, and I don't remember off the top of my head exactly which ones. I don't think they, uh, I don't think they said it was a man. I don't think the Masters was in there, but uh, mm-hmm. a lot, most of the big tournaments were in there. So I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not against it. I just, uh, yeah. uh, you know, most of those guys know pretty much that a foot how far they're going right. to hit that ball anyway. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Right. Hey Doug, how about those guys at Pebble Beach? Some guy hit it. Is right on the beach, and the guy made a nice mm. shot to, on the on the beach to the to back on the fairway up there. It was just amazing how that shot was. It, the ball was sitting up like a sand trap, and the guy hit mm-hmm. it like a sand trap right up back in the fairway. He got a par in the hole. Yeah, those those guys are are pretty amazing when it comes to those specialty oh. shots. Whether it's you know hitting balls off you know uh, pine straw or, or out of the out of the beach itself, uh, they. Find ways Doug, to get we the club on the ball. Next week? Doug, sure. we hold that thought to next week. Frank said, tick, tick, clock, up against the clock. Doug, thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. Mr. Henderson, sure. always a pleasure. Mr. Henner, always a pleasure. Wednesday, Wednesday Not between 7.30. Thank you very much. And, uh, Frank, another great job. Doug, we'll talk next week. It's always uh, yeah. very informative when you join us. So thank you very much. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, yes, everyone, God bless. Have a great week, Frank. Thank you so much for everything you do for all of us. Tommy, yes, be safe, and uh, 
Look forward to next week. Take care. Yes. And guys, Wednesday's my favorite day of the week, talking sports with the with our panel of legends. So, Frank, great job as always. From my family to your family, have a very safe and happy happy week. And people, when you're out and out and about, please wear your mask. Thank you so much, Frank, for everything you've done for this show. And you have a beautiful week. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation of the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please make sure you let them know you, they're there. They, they are very tough times for everybody in uniform. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty, Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Culpepp, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, <coughs> Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman on Aqua Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogel, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Byron Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Barry Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike uh, Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Codlop. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Catherine Rick, Christopher Leach. Uh, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FDLE Special Inspector, Vinny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper, Sergeant, uh, I'm sorry, Corporal Stephen Boward, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Baxter, uh, <coughs> Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerber, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Office. Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. And Sergeant Brian Levine, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time you'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the wind fall sail softly on your fields. May the sun shine lightly in your face. And until we meet again, may the good Lord meet, keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great week. <laughs> Oh,
Oh. 